Ladies and gentlemen. Space. How many mics do we Government. The other day. Who is car at future? Tell me why my grandfather playing a match tomorrow. California. Rapper still at heart. And no one's from the old school. Cause rapper still a brand new tool. I say no one's. Aw, suck it, suck it now. Once again, back again, you have entered the same old new school. I am one of your hosts, Idris Goodwin. And I'm the other host, Kevin Cole. And uh, you know how we do every single week. We're here on Vocalo Radio. Shout out Vocalo Radio. Talking about what, Kev? What, what are we getting into here? On this program, man, we talk about anything and everything that happens in the culture, from the old to the new, everything in between. We scour the headlines. We're digging through the crates, you know, where we have our ear to the streets and absolutely in the new, new that drops. But also with, you know, we are older gentlemen and we are also continuing to usher the history forward and talk about it here in this program. Yes, yes, y'all. Man, did you check out this new film that everybody's been talking about? The buzz has been crazy. Judas and the Black Messiah, the story of the downfall of Fred Hampton. Yeah, right. Really kind of in some ways told through the perspective of the FBI informant, William O'Neill. Yeah. So I did check out the film. A lot of feelings about it. Did you, were you able to check it out? Yeah, I did. Well, I mean, first things first, I definitely want to watch it again. I already know that because it's got a very specific style to it. It kind of reminded me a little bit in a weird way of the movie Goodfellas, which is like my favorite film. Just the the style of editing. It's not very, um, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but it didn't feel very cohesive to me, but that felt intentional to me. It it felt like little sort of snapshots and vignettes, which is kind of the, the way that memory operates. And so in terms of like the cohesion of the story, which is essentially like we're seeing, we're actually, it's not really the rise of Fred Hampton. We're sort of seeing Fred Hampton more or less at the height of his powers. And really it's more about this informant, William O'Neill, AKA Wild Bill, who sort of infiltrates and is feeding information to the FBI. So it's a very interesting time, like the time that that, that we're engaged with it. And then we're kind of bouncing between the story of Hampton and O'Neill. And so like the, the chronology is a little sporadic, but it was fascinating, man. I mean, having lived in Chicago, it was, it was a really interesting and obviously heartbreaking uh, story. I think things that, you, you know, obviously if you're in Chicago one and then two, if you just kind of have a, love and understanding and appreciation for who Chairman Fred Hampton was and is. I think that there's some things about the film that like, I wonder about, you know, and I wonder in some ways, like, you know, the acting in this film is superb, right? You know, and and I think to your point, I think some of the cinematography is really beautiful. It's rich, it's rich in color, like, like just visually the film is beautiful. But in terms of the story, I just, I really wonder about it. You know, I Mm -hmm. wonder one, because we don't go back and and we get Chairman Fred in moments, but even some of his speeches feel, you know, almost forced or something like that. Like that, you know, kind of intimate the, you know, deep organizing that he did interculturally, you know, between the young patriots and the young lords. But I don't know if we get at, you know, the true scope of his rainbow coalition idea. And in some ways, you know, and my brother said this, my brother's an educator and he was wondering about, you know, is all of the rhetoric that the Panthers specifically say, does it feel reactionary in a time where people are trying to abolish the police? And I think what he meant by that is like, did the film do a good enough job 
of telling the story about why the Panthers were policing the police? Or was some of the rhetoric in the film, some of the dialogue in the film, just too laden with like, you know, almost like trite dialogue about pig this and the pig that, you know? Yeah. The reason I want to watch it again is because I'm like, is this surface? Did this filmmaker not go deep enough? Yeah. Or am I just not paying enough attention? And is there actually more there that I'm seeing on this initial viewing? And because it's so loaded too, man, like I'm, you know, you and I are both familiar with Chairman Fred. We sort of know the legacy. We know the history a little bit. So of course, when we go to a film, we want all of it, right? We want to see it all. We want to see you know, because one of the things that the film does is just, it's very quick. Like, he just like, hey, this group come with me and this group come with me and I've just organized you. And it's like mad easy. And it's like, to me, that's a film in and of itself. That's like a play that I'd love to write, right? Right. Um, and I kind of want that story. I mean, I kind of want you to listen, do that because listen, that is no, the story. The, that is what ready. I kind of want to see, though, you know? They're not ready. Um, yeah. Uh, but either way, I'm glad. I'm glad they made it, you know, a film like that could never get made in a time that wasn't the time that we're in, to be yeah, honest. Like no, facts, Black yeah. Panther needed to happen in order for a film like this to happen, Cooler and Creed and all of that. So it's an exciting time just as a film, you know, a cinephile yeah. like myself, just watching it, I'm like, this movie would have never been made at any other time than this time right now. And, and for me, I just hope that we expand upon it and it becomes sort of a companion to other films that kind of fill in some of the cracks and some of the holes, you know what I'm saying? But but I'm going to watch it again. We'll, we'll, we'll have maybe a part two. Yeah, sure. And it's, wor- it's worth seeing, absolutely. So, But, you know, I, I mean, part of our excitement, right, was even before we got an opportunity to see it, we were kind of marveling at the a soundtrack list. Good Lord. Oh, yeah. Good googa Wow. Yeah. So they put out the, the soundtrack, Judas and the Black Messiah. It has, like generations of superstars i mean spitters man spitters gallery like right yeah you got well first of all it opens with his son basically like spitting bars with with yeah uh, fred uh, Fred hampton jr like spitting bars on the first track heads up eyes open the fist clenched yeah yeah. this should be the chairman fred hampton jr direct see now i need y'all to bear with me as i bear my soul which yeah. is super dope. Yeah. Uh, not really rapping, but just like yeah, rapping like in the spoken style word. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. Orating. That's right. Yeah, we got Nas on here with a song called EPMD. EPMD. Which is like, back in business, on, like dude. EPMD is like one of his lines. EPMD, in it. it's just, we back in business. Yeah. EPMD, we back in business. I visualize what it is, not what it isn't. We at the mafia table next to the kitchen. Eating Michelin star, counting a million. Look. Now, I got to ask, because I didn't check the, the liner notes, Kevin, like I should have. Did Hit Boy basically oversee this whole thing? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I know, obviously, he was on Nas's track, you know? And he's got a song. He's got a solo song on there, too, yeah. which is pretty fresh. Blood. Nightmares in broad day. Pray I get to sleep. I should A&R the game. Pickers and give me beats. Honestly, I said hi to this to your email. Tedious with the details. I'm wondering what you think the standout tracks are, because there's... I love the song by her. All the smoke in the air. I mean, the first six songs on here are, are great, actually. The Black well, Thought song is yo, 
fire. Welcome to America. He starts out, it's steel sharp and steel in the block. Made me a cutler. My pen is from the future like Octavia Butler. Still sharp and still in the block. Made me a cutler. My pen is from the future like Octavia Butler. My grandmother sutured a flag from bloody cotton. The fruits of her labor, alas. He stays doing this, right? And that's what oh we've talked God. about thought before. And But he does love to like give you the keys to like the you know black american canon you know what i yeah. mean and these are words that never no one's ever said octavia butler on a track i'm sure of it i'm sure no one said octavia butler in a rap song before not black star not rappers who actually own bookstores like i know no one said octavia butler on a song before and thought does that he'll like say a word and you'd be like i've been hearing this word for years but i've never heard in a rap song it's like super exciting and then when it appears it just feels like it's always been there right and that's hip-hop at its best man yeah and the way he just breaks up even her name is just so beautiful. Um, you know, Nipsey, you know, Rest in Power, yeah, and Jay-Z have a, have a great track. The only reason I survive cuz it in this special first. You get successful then it gets stressful thirst. It's gonna test you see what your texture's worth. It's just effortless. Like it's just air that song. I just I found it just super perfectly produced. Dope to hear them together. Kind of made me wish they could have made an EP together. No, so sad. It's, yeah. it's great to hear both of them. And it's, it's always a pleasure to hear Jay-Z rhyme. You know, for me, man, the song that I will continue to go back to, that's Smino and Saba, Plead the 45th song. You know, these guys together, like their fluidity, their melody, their their wordplay is so intense. Saba yeah. says, I said, I love all of y'all, but that's to get the deposits off. I was a child. Meanwhile, my grandfather playing a Majamal. I said, I love all of y'all, but that's to get the deposits off. I was a child. Meanwhile, my grandfather playing a Majamal. Living up incarcerated, cops delivering the blood law. The city's so cold, I had to leave out quick and let Them words ain't even supposed to go together. No, I know. Them words yet. ain't even supposed to go together. Those two are a problem, oh man. Those guys are the future. I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times, man. Saba and Smino are some geniuses, man. Well, Just, and, you, and you hear it on this, like in some ways, yeah. like this song is the, is the pointing to the future. Although I will say too, Polo G has a great track. He says, heard the news about him, really hurt me to my core for weeks. The other side in 12 hunting while we explore the streets. Heard the news about him, really hurt me to my core for weeks. The other side in 12 hunting while we explore the streets. Jealous of my melanin, what make you human more than me? They threaten us, oppressing us. We post play that chord. Again, we've talked about Polo G, but he is is on his journalism, right? He, he's in his verse journalism bag. I mean, Chicago comes pretty thorough on this whole album. I mean, Lil Durk's song is fantastic on here. I actually liked it really a lot. I got demons on my back. Only thing made me safe is a pill to take a nap. Hoping it's a dream, but it's fact. He ain't Ricky, so no bullets to his back. I also really love this Something Ain't Right with J.I.D. and Rhapsody uh, Masego. Uh, look, and as I lay me, as I lay me, that me down to rest. I lay my sword, my lady lays upon my chest. It's been a crazy war. The devil's banging on my door. My dear, my dear, my dear, I hear the shots. Bang, love bang, it, actually. Really, really love it. And J.I.D., between that song and the song that J.I.D. did with Conway Ballad. Wasn't used to taking orders. If I'm rude, my apologies. I've never been a follower. I'm addicted to the power, so I've studied the remains of the game i'm an archaeologist more money j.i.d might have just found his way into my top five. Oh yeah no no j.i.d is a problem man well yeah, i mean man, he, you know he might welcome welcome j.i.d into my in my top five we, we've got you nestled uh right between uh metal face doom and lauren hill 
Enjoy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Which, Enjoy yeah, your new digs. Not, wow. Dang, yeah. Well, JID is part of the crew with Spillage Village. And that camp reminds me so much of the Saba Smino collab. And I think that they've actually all been together even on, on tour before. And this is the nexus of the new. Like, I, I think we will hear hopefully from these artists for, you know, decades to come. And it's so exciting what they what they make and what they're making. You know, so here's the question for you, Kevin Colville. Do you think the soundtrack is more successful than the film? Dang, that's that's hard. I mean, it's like, how do you judge this, right? I mean, I guess what does success look like for this project? For me, the marker of a good soundtrack is will you take songs off of it and put it on other mixes? Or will you actually, like, listen to it? Like, I'm going to listen to this soundtrack. You know what I'm saying? Like the soundtrack yeah. to Juice, for example. Like soundtrack oh, right. to Colors is a perfect example. So like soundtrack to Colors, there was the song Colors by Ice-T. And then I think Raw by Big Daddy Kane was on there. And that mm. was kind of it. I don't remember anything else on there. Right. Whereas like Juice, I listened right. to Juice, the soundtrack to Juice. I would put on the soundtrack to Juice. Yeah. I would put so, on the soundtrack to New Jack City, I think, too. It had a oh, lot yeah. of R&B. A lot of New Jack like, Swing. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Don't wake me hungry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's a very light skinned soundtrack. Um, yeah. Wow. So here's the wow. question. Uh, what? I didn't say anything. So is is the Judas and the Black Messiah a successful soundtrack or just just have some hot joints on it? It's got some hot joints. I mean, I'm not listening wow. to the whole I'm not listening to the whole thing. Dude, it's too long. It's too long. You know? I think it's the just, first half of it is really dope. No, I know. It's good, but I'm saying, but I'm I'm pulling for the mixes. But I think also like I will say, like, these songs will last for a long time. You know, and so I think that means it's successful you know because the artist really really crushed well we've also not mentioned the fact that rakim is on here i know i know he's the last like really the kind of biographic track right where i think he's like really talking about chairman fred 1948 chicago illinois a young panther was born he became a man when he was just a little boy excellent athlete it's a weird placement. They didn't do him any favors by like sticking no. him at the because it's like everything like you're gonna stick to God rock him after like all these new jack. You're gonna after stick him Poosh after Icy. White Dave. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know. But anyway, man, you are listening to Vocalo Radio. We are the same old new school radio show that comes to you every week and a podcast that you could stream everywhere. I'm one of your hosts, Kevin Coble. And I am the other host, Idris Goodwin. Yeah, man. It is a big week for the culture because this week was very significant 25 Huge, years ago oh my god hugely significant a dual anniversary that we are going to talk about mm -hmm. you know uh, 25 years ago both the fuji's the score and tupac's all eyes on me dropped a major 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 day in hip-hop history and a major day in idris goodwin hip-hop history because i remember i distinctly remember that day and that time i had been out of high school year i was still kind of slumming around the suburb i was living in outside of detroit you know i was kind of like going to school at the local university and not really loving it at all just biding my time before i moved to chicago and really just hanging out with my friends, just partying with my friends. And so this is 96. This is 96. This is 96, yeah. Because, see, I moved to Chicago in fall of 96. So mm. this is like me just biding my time. So hip-hop was everything at that point. I was, what I, was, I was working, but I was just blowing all my money on. I was saving some, but I was blowing all my yeah. money on hip-hop albums. And I remember, because I'm in, I'm in the Detroit area, okay? So Tupac is that dude, right? Like... 
Tupac is everything to so many people. And I did not, I chose to buy the Fuji's the score and not the Tupac. And everybody thought I was crazy. Cause at that point, you know, their first album, Blunted on Reality, was not considered a success. They had those remixes that came afterwards. By Salam Remy. Hey, Mona Lisa, can I get a date on Friday? And if you're busy, on a Saturday. Saturday. Yeah, 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 yeah. Nappy heads, nappy heads. Yeah. You coming around the way. You want a battle swing, I bring. Commanding me like I was king. And all your dreams are right. The horror flick of Stephen King. Cling the fox on those in favor. Say, ah, I got tired of the fat lady, so I And then the remix to vocab. Hey, yo, one, two, three. Uh-huh. The crew is called refugees, and if you come for test the rap style, stop the violence and just bring it on. Why yo? Right, and, which, and on which you knew from those joints, you knew Lauren Hill was a problem. It was a problem, yeah, right? Monster, right, right. but also too, we'd never heard anybody like Wyclef either. Based on that, and then Fuji La. And how many mics? Those were the first two singles. Mm. How many mics do we rip on the deli? Send me, say many money. Send me, say many, many, many. How many mics do we rip on the deli? Many money. And I was like, this group has got something really interesting. They're super dope. Yeah, and of course, Lauren Hill's the superhero. And uh, and I bought the score, man. And then I watched in real time as you know, killing me softly. comes out as like what like the third or fourth single yo i know and just and then took over loads, yeah. right and R- then suddenly R- roberta flack like yeah. interpolation right but for me it was all about how many mics which is by the way like the first song on the yo. album which and is amazing. the first words that lauren utters in full like her first couplet is i get mad frustrated when i rhyme thinking of all the kids that try to do this for all the wrong reasons i get mad frustrated when i rhyme And that really does set the tone, not only for the record, but even the distinction, I think, you saw in the Fugees and the way that the culture was going broadly. Because the Fugees, even though this record went pop, they were an antidote. And this album particularly was answering a lot of the, this was a moment where the culture went above ground and underground. And there was a rich debate continuously in the culture. And even like Pox, All Eyes on Me, which we'll talk about, is a representative of the culture going in a different direction, in a popular direction. In hip hop had money at that point. And the Fugees were representative of a different kind of ethos, a different set of ethics that I think that at that time, hip hop as a culture was really wrestling with internally. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. If you, I mean, also think about it, right? So, so there have been rumblings of this Tupac, Death Row, Bad Boy beef before All Eyes on Me comes out. So we get the Source Awards, we get Suge Knight saying, you know, if any of you artists want to be artists and not have executive producer all in the video. <laughs> I know. Got all in the mic. Got like oh so God. far in the mic oh to say God. It's that. one of my favorite moments in TV history. Anyway, and so, you know, again, we've got Bad Boy, Puffy, the shiny suit era, the Cristal, Versace, the East Coast is kind of coming back with more of a Hollywood glossy kind of energy. And then Tupac is coming back like, and, and we're all listening to All Eyes on Me, looking for those 
disses, but there's no disses on All Eyes on Me. So it's interesting too, like he drops a double album, which by the way, All Eyes on Me brings in the double album era in hip hop. Like he does it and then Notorious B.I.G. does it, then Wu-Tang does it, then like, I think like Bone Thugs or, but the most ubiquitous song of the All Eyes on Me Tupac era is a song that's not even on that album, which is Hit Em Up. Which is like the phantom All Eyes on Me song, you know, it's yeah. like the ramp. No, that's true. I mean, All Eyes on Me has, I mean, I don't know if the album works well as a double record, and I, I don't know how much of it carries over and kind of survives in, in this moment you know listening to it now to all eyes on me there are some bangers though and oh, yeah, and, 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 and particularly the verse from Pac on that record that i love is uh the california love song <sighs> yeah of course this is again this is after he's back from prison fresh out of bail you know california dreaming and and then on that record he then goes into depth about only in cali where we riot not rally to live and die in la we wear chucks not valleys Dressed in lokes and khaki suits, and ride is what we do. Only in Cali will we riot, not rally to live and die. In LA we wear chucks, not valleys. Yeah, that's right. Dressed in lokes and khaki suits, and ride is what we do. Flossing but happy. You know, and I just, I love the specificity of Pac on this track. This album, and I know we're kind of all over the place a little bit. I want to get back to the Fugees, but this Pac record, All Eyes on Me, you really hear the fractured or multiple identities of this young poet. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's really about, you know, to me, the double album is, is really about a return. It's about this return and it's about this fury and this work ethic and this hunger and this like, this intensity of expression that he had and this work ethic that he'll get known for in this next chapter of his life, which unfortunately didn't and last brief, very long yeah. after he gets out, but he puts out like nine records. <laughs> it's like he puts out like his his amount of work. is, And I have a theory that I think he knew his time was very limited yeah. when he got back. But yeah, to your point, man, like listening to re-listening to the score again, it's so musical. I mean, and that's the thing that's really distinctive about it. And that's why I think people need to give Wyclef a bit more credit it's so musical. It's so melodic. It's so well arranged. Even Praz, man, which, you know, at the time we were dogging poor Praz. Yeah. Because he's not as, you know, he's not, he doesn't have the promise of nice. other, but but, his, yeah. but it's about his tone. It's about his tone and, and the mix. And it's like, we appreciate Lauren so well because of the whole dynamic. You know what I mean? But, but also there is this way that they rhymed to me that was so, just as a rapper myself, like, that I just miss and I love. It's just, they sound so free, the way they move in and out of flows, the way they reference, this is my favorite thing, is the way they, this is something Karis one really sort of introduces is where you just jump and you reference the whole catalog of music where you'll flip, you'll go into a different melody, you know, this land's your land, this land's my land, you know, whatever. Like you just go in and out of mama say, mama saw, mama mama, you know, you just, just in the middle of your verse, you just reference other songs or other tracks or other flow patterns and you just keep going. So the level of just musicality and freedom on there is really to me what's held up over the years. I actually think I like it even more now than I, well, that's not true. I will say that the song Cowboys, which is the posse cut, which was like the greatest thing I'd ever heard in my life, I can't even listen to now. Oh, that's so uh, funny. Yeah. But you know, you're right. It was at a very big level, right? Because this album went multi, multi-platinum, right? Yeah. And 
it was an introduction to a, a very firm introduction, not the first time, but the biggest impact it had of Haitian culture, yeah. Caribbean sounds, African diasporic sounds, which of course like are omnipresent in the music, but Clef is doing such a good job of, of ensuring that this sound, this which was, you know, different at the time, divergent at the time, is introduced in that way. And it is the right bed, I mean, for a group to shine. And then in that group is, I think both of us would, you know, probably say a top five greatest of all time lyricist in Lauren Hill, who, Easily. you know, on this record, she was also the ultimate B-girl, you know, mm -hmm. just like that hunger <sighs> and love and desire. And you really feel her on this record and oh, yeah. it becomes then undeniable that she is a superstar. Oh yeah, man. I mean, that's, that's the funny thing. That's like the unfortunate kind of ironic thing around it is, you know, as much as the dominant voices of hip hop have not been kind or, you know, have been misogynistic and not inviting to females, we also love our female MCs, man. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you are a female who can spit, if you are a female who can hold it down, like, we, like, put you on the yeah. pedestal like you know yeah. what i mean we bow to you like we bow to lauren hill we bow to mc light we bow to rhapsody you know what i mean like we love females who can spit you know that's kind of the the weird dichotomy but at the same time a lot of women don't feel like they can step into the space because of all the men because of some of right? a lot of what is on tupac's all eyes on me <laughs> you know like, like well, frankly but, right yeah I but mean, i've heard i've heard her speak to about you know wyclef and, and pros and like oh being on tour well, with them, well and that's yeah. well documented i mean you know and and even part of the reason why, you know, Lauren was pushed out of the industry has a lot to do with the backward dealings and the patriarchy, the misogyny, particularly around Wyclef and or like his relationship to Lauren, maybe romantically, but certainly in terms of business, you know, like, yeah, like right. he, he definitely was not a good group member in making sure that she was looked after. And part of the tragedy is that is part of what marks her later career as well, is that, you know, she was continually jerked around by record labels and by dudes in the industry. That's why the first line on the follow-up, the solo record, Miseducation, is funny how money changed the situation. It's funny how money changes situation. Miscommunication lead to complication. My emancipation don't fit your equation. I was on the humble, you wanted Yo, to know. Which is, you know, that album is perfection. But um, anyway, but, you know, the last thing I'll say just about the Fuji's album, The Score, is I think the difference for me when listening to that and listening to All Eyes on Me, which, by the way, man, I can't overstate enough, like, there's no denying that album. There's no denying, like Tupac changes hip hop with that album. Like no question about it. Like the, the game change. Why? I um, mean, how, what do you mean? How so did he, how did he change it? Well, one, I mean the double album thing, man, like yeah. that's not nothing. Like that's a first. And he was not known as like being a top tier sort of MC at that time. Like he was kind of taken for granted in many ways. And he comes back, drops this double album, has California love, sort of claims the West Coast like full throated. Yeah, true. You know, it's death row, man. This is death row records. This is like Snoop and the Dog Pound and all that. And then like he fostered in sort of a newer era, which I think moved the sort of shiny suit, puffy era back into sort of a gangster, like sort of marry those, where it's, it, it suddenly it's, it's very pop, but it's even more gangster, it's even more hard, it's even more, you know, for better, for worse. But I think that there's just no denying it. Like when you, yeah. when you the, lay the out the timeline, the like yeah. you cannot skip All Eyes on Me by Tupac Shakur. Yeah, no, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And he also, you know, 
Anyway, I'm not going to go there. But um, here's the thing I was going to say about the Fuji's, though. The Tupac album, All Eyes on Me, is clearly like, this is going to be a big album with crossover appeal. The Fuji's album, it still sounds like the neighborhood. You know what I'm saying? It's local slang. It's regional slang. It's it's a hip-hop record. It's very, the references, you know. The skits. Warn the town, the beast is loose. I mean, to call the cops the beast, it's like a police, you know. And even, yeah, the skits, right? Exactly. Like, I would even contend, man, that the fact that they didn't drop Killing Me Softly as one of the first couple singles means that they didn't think that that was, they thought it was going to be ready or not or Fuji La, Fuji La, yeah. Which again is a flip of a Tina Marie song, but um, but anyway, so to me that was the big distinction. And I love albums like that that are like not even have no pop aspirations. This is just a dope album for hip hop, and then the rest of the world catches on. To yeah. me, that's those are the albums to me that live longer. Yeah, well, and this is an album that I think I play every month in the last twenty five years, just because I love the record that much, and it's something that I can play front to back. And it, this is an album that has certainly not only stood the test of time, but I think helped continue to chart a course for the oddballs, for the weirdos, for the deeply nerdy lyricists. It was an alternative. You know, it, it continued to represent an alternative, the Fugees. I mean, even the name itself, I think, was an invitation and a bridge into, you know, many people who feel like they don't belong here or who the country makes feel like they don't belong here and and it felt like they were you know extending the cipher to the masses in a really important yeah. way yeah yeah there's a diasporic vibe to it too yeah. i mean and i and i always say that part of what the fujis are also doing is they're reconnecting the diaspora and part of their jumping around and like evoking different patterns and you know weaving in languages and you know it's, but it's all black you know what I'm saying? So the reggae influence, to me, that's why it feels like such a a beautiful, timeless piece of art. Because, yeah, you're right. It, it works on it. It operates on these other levels, too. Yeah, no, that's right. Uh, this is Vocal Low Radio, y'all. And you are listening to The Same Old New School, The Sun's weekly radio show, also a podcast. You could stream it wherever you stream podcasts. I am one of your hosts, Kevin Koval. And I am Idris Goodwin. We always appreciate the platform. Keep those speakers cranked to 2000. And we will see you next week. Peace. Peace.